But I invite you, if you will, to turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And I want you to look at verse 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. And the text reads as thus, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now obviously, if you've ever been uh, in the church for a long period of time, uh, or maybe even recently, you've heard this verse as a support verse to show that we should take the Lord's Supper each and every first day of the week. The logic involved, of course, is that the first day of the week, there's one in every week, and since there's no exception to that, the disciples in the early church, as it appears here in this text, came together for the purpose of breaking bread, and since there's every first day of the week, we too should take the, first, uh, take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. But a question that sometimes comes up in using this particular verse is the idea of how in the world do we know that what's being talked about in verse 7 is the Lord's Supper? You can just simply look at this verse and you could come to two conclusions. If you had nothing else to look at but this one verse, you could come up with either one of two conclusions. That either the Lord's Supper is being talked about here or we're talking about a common meal. Obviously, we understand the term about breaking bread. Uh, we don't use that, term, uh, that uh, particular colloquialism anymore as, like we used to, but we understand if we get together to break bread with somebody, we're talking about having a meal. We're talking about spending some time together eating. And so the question can be asked, why, uh, did Paul tarry as he did in Troas five days so he could be with the Christians on the first day of the week? Was it to partake of the Lord's Supper? Or was it simply to have a meal? And so we need to spend some time discussing this and make sure we understand what is going on. But before we can clear up the, any misunderstanding or come to a conclusion with verse 7, we need to look at some other scriptures and see what conclusion we bring from that. I invite you to open your Bibles over to Acts chapter 2, to where we have the story of the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2 begins on the day of Pentecost, and it con continues with, Paul, uh, with Peter's sermon, where he stood up with the arrest of the apostles and told, talked to them about Jesus Christ and how that he performed miracles and how that he fulfilled prophecy and how that they needed to know assuredly that the same Jesus whom they crucified was both Lord and Christ. When the people understood and believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter, of course, told them to be baptized for the remission of their sins. Verse 41 says, And they that gladly received that word were then added to the church, about 3,000 souls. Well, after the church was established, the rest of Acts chapter 2 tells us about the routine, the activities, the different aspects of what the church was involved after uh, the church was established. And I want you to notice something in verse 42. And it says, They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, once again, when you first look at that, especially in the King James, you discover uh, that this could maybe be talking about a meal again. But you need to understand something very important about the Greek 
and especially about the definite article in Greek. Now, for you who don't know what a definite article is, a definite article, even in our language, is an article that specifically applies to the noun or the subject. For example, the word the is a definite article. The word a may be a definite article. It might not be a definite article, depending on how it is used in the sentence. But to show you how the definite article works in the English language, we can put it this way. I could go into the house and say, Karen, I saw a dog today. Now, she would conclude when I said I saw a, a dog today, she could be, I could be any dog. What dog is he talking about? But if I go into her, into the house and say, Karen, I saw the dog today, she would assume that I'm talking about a specific dog. One dog might be a dog that's just simply running across the street, and I took notice of it. It's just a dog. But when I come in and say the dog, the definite article in the English, though we don't always use it this way because we've lost contact with it, is talking about a specific dog. Well, this is even more so the case in the Greek. When the Greek language uses a definite article in front of something, it's talking about something that is specific. It's, talking, it's using specificity. I can't say it right. It's talking about something that is specific. It's talking about something that is certain. And though it's not in the King James here, but it is in other translations, it says here in verse 42, literally in the Greek, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of the bread and in prayers. And so here in the original language, it is very um, uh, accurate to say that this is talking about a specific breaking of a specific bread. Now, why is that important? Well, because it's not just any kind of bread that's being broken. It's not any kind of just a regular occasion that's happening here. This is a specific occurrence of the breaking of a specific bread. And it's interesting, if you hold your place right here, because I don't want us to, to lose this place. But turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. Holding your finger there in Acts chapter 2, I want you to notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16, he's talking about the Lord's Supper. And notice the language that he uses because, once again, he is writing here in the Greek. And notice what he says. Beginning at verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? He is talking about a specific cup. He's not talking about any cup. He's talking about the cup that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, that is a part of the communion, not any communion, but the communion, and we understand that to be the Lord's Supper. He goes on and says, is it not the blood of Christ? And we understand that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, the fruit of the vine is the blood of Christ. It symbolizes the blood of Christ. But then he goes on and he says, the bread, definite article, which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Once again, he's talking about a specific bread that is a part of the specific communion that we call the Lord's Supper, and we understand it to be the body of Christ. But then he goes on in verse 17. He says, For we being many are one bread and one, bo uh, and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. What bread? Well, the bread he just mentioned. 
the bread that represents the body that we partake of in the specific communion that we know as the Lord's Supper. He's making the point that when we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we are in a community activity that communes us together all as one family. One of the most important things about the Lord's Supper is that it's something that we all do together. And that's why it's called communion. So with that in mind, we can see how that the definite article used in verse 42 is talking about something specific. I believe that it's talking about the Lord's Supper. Another way we could put it in verse 42 and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in taking of the Lord's Supper and prayers, which would be a very good description of the early church and their activities in the worship service. Now you drop down to verse 46 and notice what happens. Talking about the outside activities of the church as far as not being part of the worship service, it says, And they continue daily with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Here in the regional language in verse 46, there is no definite article in front of breaking or in front of thee, or in front of bread. Uh, It's the idea, that's what's being talked about here, is the idea of a meal. They had meals together in the early church. In fact, literally in the Greek here, it says, and breaking from house to house bread. That's the way it's listed in the Greek. In the King James, they moved it to make it make more sense, but literally if you're reading in the Greek, it says breaking from house to house bread. And we obviously can tell from looking at that, that in this case, it's talking about having a meal together and how that they enjoyed that meal with gladness and singleness of heart. Why? Because they were all one family and enjoyed each other's company. But make sure you understand a couple things. In verse 42, it's talking about a specific breaking of bread. In verse 46, it's talking about a non-specific breaking of bread. One, of course, is talking about the Lord's Supper in verse 42. And one in verse 46 is talking about a common meal. But make sure we understand in verse 26 that the language here lets us understand that breaking bread means to eat a meal. I think all of us understand that, okay? Now, let's turn back over to Acts chapter 20. With that in mind, just kind of keep that in the back of your head. And look at verse 7 again and read what it says. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Well, now we've got a little problem. In the original language, there is no definite article. So we either got to think that this is not, it's talking about eating a meal or is it talking about the Lord's Supper? Well, there's two evidences that tell us that there was more than just eating a meal here. First evidence, we need to go back to 1 Corinthians and this time go to chapter 11, the chapter right after chapter 10. And I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul says in his continuing study of the Lord's Supper, his discussion of the Lord's Supper. Remember in chapter 10 and verse 16, he talks about the bread that, we, that is a part of the communion is, of course, um, talking about the bread on the Lord's table. But you get over to chapter 11 and verse 20, notice what he says here. 
He, of course, is asking it in a theoretical question, if you will, because he's making a point that they should answer, be able to answer the question with because he, of course, is dealing with some abuses of the Lord's Supper. But notice what verse 20 says. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, the point he's making is that they were coming together in one place and they were supposed to be eating the Lord's Supper, but they weren't eating the Lord's Supper. They were abusing it. And we don't have time to go into all the details of what's happening here in chapter 11, but there were some problems in the church at Corinth. They were supposed to be taking of the church of the Lord's Supper properly, but they weren't, and that's the reason why he has a description where he goes through when Jesus Christ established the Lord's Supper. But the point of verse 20 is, and the way to look at it and what Paul wanted them to understand is, the reason why you were supposed to be coming together was to partake of the Lord's Supper, but they weren't doing that. Now, You go back to Acts chapter 7 and you see that upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together. Well, why did they come together on the first day of the week? Well, if you just look at the text, it says to break bread. But if you look at other writings as we just looked, it was obvious that the disciples came together on the first day of the week to do what? To partake of the Lord's Supper. So we start adding that to verse 7. But then we drop down to verse 11 and things become even more clear what was happening here. You remember how that Paul, of course, came together there in the city of Troas because it was the first day of the week and he wanted to be with the disciples. And he, of course, the worship service started and he started preaching. And believe it or not, he was a longer preacher than, longer winded preacher than I am because it talked about how that he um, kept speaking until it was midnight. Now, that doesn't seem fair when you think about it because more than likely this worship service didn't start until late in the evening anyway because of the fact that they had their services late in the evening um, because people worked. People didn't have Sundays off. People didn't have uh, a day where they could just get up on Sunday morning and come to church. Instead, they had to meet on the first day of the week after everybody got off work and after everybody gathered there in the place to worship. And Paul, we don't know what time he got started, but we do know that he preached till midnight. And evidently his sermon got boring at least to one person because there was a young man by the name of Eutychus who fell into a deep sleep while sitting in a window and he fell out of the window and it killed him. And Paul had to raise him from the dead. Um, I've had some people fall asleep in my sermons, but I've never had one die because of one of my sermons. And we're thankful for that. But after this episode of Paul preaching... Him raising Eutychus from the dead. They come back inside and notice what happens. Verse 11 says, When he therefore has come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even until the break of day, so he departed. Now once again, here in the King James, uh, it's not very clear, but other translations, especially the American Standard Version and the New American Standard Version makes this very, very clear. Literally in the Greek, it has, when he therefore was come up again and broken the bread and eaten and talked a long while even till the break of day, so he departed. Here in the original language, you have that definite article again. It wasn't just any bread that was being broken. It was a specific bread. It was the bread. Evidently, after Eutychus was healed, they went back up into the chamber that they were uh, worshiping in, as is even, even it is the case here. Uh, Paul uh, had been preaching, but now at the end of the service, they were going to have the Lord's Supper. 
because it says they talked a long while, it says, and had broken the bread. And once again, I remind you to go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, where that is specifically mentioned. It's something that the apostles did. It says, had broken the bread and eaten. And another reason why we understand this to be uh, the Lord's Supper instead of a meal is because of the redundancy of the passage if it meant something else. We've already established the fact that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, that breaking of bread was taking a meal. We still understand that. If somebody is breaking bread with somebody, they're taking a meal. We have enjoyed a meal together. We broke bread together. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, they broke from house to house bread. That means they went house to house and have a meal. Breaking bread means breaking as having a meal. But notice what happens if you leave the definite article out and make it just a meal. What you have literally going on in the Greek is this. When he therefore was come up again and had a meal and had a meal and talked a long while even until the break of day so he departed. It makes no sense there is a redundancy. You have them eating two meals at once because first of all breaking bread takes care of the eating. We understand that to mean that. Breaking bread means to eat. When we break bread with somebody, we were eating with somebody. So why in the world would the Luke, the writer of this passage, say, well, we went back upstairs, we ate a meal, and when we ate a meal, we talked a long while. There's a redundancy there that shouldn't be there. Breaking bread should have taken care of it by just eating a meal. But when you go back and look at the Greek and you see the definite article there, the you understand that there were two different things going on here. There was the breaking of the bread, and there was a meal. Just like next Sunday, we're going to come together. We're going to worship God. There's going to be a preacher that gets up and preach, and hopefully he won't preach to midnight. And after the preacher gets through preaching, the preacher's going to sit down, and we're going to gather around this table, and we're going to break the bread. And at the conclusion of the service, what are we going to do? We're going to have a meal together. And I believe, sincerely believe, that that is what's going on here. And as I said, the American Standard Version and the New American Standard Version uh, literally put it that way. They have the, the, um, had broken the bread and eating, talking about that specific uh, type of thing. If not, uh, you have a, a reoccurring meal that takes place here. And um, I know that we all believe that Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 is an appropriate text to use to show that we need to take the Lord's Supper on the Lord's Day. And we need to do that every Lord's Day because there is a Lord's Day in every week. But I don't think we oftentimes understand the reason why that's such an important text. And when you add to it that Paul delayed his leaving, he in fact stayed in a town five days even though he was in a hurry to get somewhere. Um, he, he still stayed. Why? Because he wanted to be with the Christians on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread or because that's when the disciples came together to partake of the Lord's Supper. And um, I hope that is, is, clears up some things for everyone and I hope you benefited from this particular discussion like uh, we did when we discussed it with some other people. And that's what we have for this evening. But before we uh, step down, we of course want to make sure that we answer the most important question that a person could ever ask, and that is, what must I do to be saved? 
Uh, we mentioned this briefly in our discussion tonight in Acts chapter 2. When Peter came to the conclusion of his sermon, that very first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, when the church was established after he had proved that Jesus Christ was the Son of God via miracles and his teachings and the fulfillment of prophecy, verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, he said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom he crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the people... It says they were pricked in their hearts and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Meaning, what can we do to be saved? And Peter tells them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And of course, verse 41 says, and they that gladly received this word understood that they needed to repent and be baptized in order to be saved. Uh, They obeyed that command and then they were, of course, added to their number about 3,000 souls. And so if you have that need this evening, we want to assist you with that. Or if you have any other need, we want to assist you as together we stand and sing.